Come on in and welcome to On The Being Podcast. I am so excited that you have joined me, the host, Marquita Green, as I have come to empower you and to inspire and encourage you to find the balance in your life. You know where it is to be on the beam of life, that place where you might be overwhelmed, that place where you are wearing so many hats, and you might feel a little unbalanced and a little off kilter. Well, hopefully these few nuggets that I will give you will just keep you grounded and allow you to find balance while on the beam of life. Stay tuned. If you all could just take a moment to just think about the things that have been spoken over us and just think about the goodness of our Father. Yes, it is a Monday night, and I know that we have done a lot on today that we have just been moving and shaking throughout the day because we are women and that's what we do. But if you can just take a moment and just feast on the goodness of the Father for just a few minutes with me and just think about what he's brought you through just this past weekend, just during the last week, this last month, what has he brought you out of in 2022? This is our opportunity just to celebrate him and to speak on his word because he's been so good to us. He's been such a mighty good daddy. And it is so often that we are listening for the word, that we're in and out, but all we have time to just sit in his presence. So just sit with me just for a few minutes. My God. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father, for who you are, oh God. It is so amazing that this opportunity is before us, it's presented to us each and every Monday with very, very few exceptions throughout the year. And I know I say this often, but I am just in amazement at what the leadership of this call has done for the last 12 years. If you think about the things that you've done just for the last 12 months, how consistent have you been with the things? For the last 12 weeks, for that matter, what have you been consistent with for 12 weeks, let alone 12 months, let alone 12 years? My heart is just so full right now because as I was thinking about tonight, I was reminded of just how purposeful God is and how his divine timing is always on point. There was no way that if you would have asked me a month ago or 12 weeks ago if I would have been prepared to give you a word on tonight. But the Lord and me says, be ye ever ready. And he says that there's always going to be something that we can share. And I know you all have, and sometimes in the past, have had moments of testimony night where several ladies of the call would share different testimonies. I want to do a little bit of that tonight. I do have a word to back up what I want to share, but I just want to remind you that as you're coming to this call, a lot of times we come to the call even masked up. Even though we're on the phone, we're coming to the call with, our good spirits. We're coming, not really laying our burdens down. We're coming with our best foot forward. And maybe everything is good in your life every single time you come on the call. But I want to just give you an opportunity 
to just be naked before the Father for just a little bit, to just be reminded that it's okay to not be okay. And I think so often as women, we get so caught up in always having to be okay for everybody. That may not be your season today, but I guarantee you, you've been through a season, and if you haven't, there's one coming, where you say, how much more can I take? Where you say, I can't carry this load anymore. How much more of a dumping ground can I be? And I want to let you know that those moments are okay. I'm here to specifically let you know that those moments are okay and that there is a way out of those places. I'm specifically coming to share with you this a wilderness place in my mind that I had been in recently. And it, there were some things that I walked out of earlier this year that I may have shared earlier this year on the call, but I got to a point where I just said, Lord, I don't know if I could take anymore. And it got to the point where I thought, you know, I know I said yes, but if I really understood what this yes meant, I don't know if I would have gave that yes. And I don't know if I should just walk away. And so I just want to encourage anybody on this call who's in that place, even remotely, to still give God your yes and to still walk forward in whatever it is he's calling you to do. Because your yes means absolutely everything. So I'm coming to you tonight to share how to stand in that yes even when you want to run and say no. How to stand and persevere even when you want to give up. And just how to go forward when you don't know what else to do. And again, that may not be you in this season. But maybe you're here because there's a word that you need to be able to pass on to another sister in your circle. Maybe you know somebody else who's going to need this recording at some point. And so God sent me on assignment tonight to say, I know my women are strong. I know my women are masked up. I know my women can handle it. But there comes a time where we as daughters say, I just don't have it anymore. I don't have enough. I was sending a message to my best friend who's up there in Philly a couple of weeks ago. And she said to me, are you okay? And I was set in a wavery place. And I got the picture in my mind of a tree. And as I was praying just before the call, all I could see is a tree. And what I remember saying to her is, I'm not at the brink of breaking, but I am bending. But I knew that before I got to a breaking point, there needed to be something that I needed to take a pause. I needed to take a break. I needed to get a reset because I was at a point of breaking, just like a, a tree limb. If you think about what a tree looks like weighing in the wind, and when the, the gust of wind comes and that branch just begins to kind of go up and down like a, like a floppy thing, and you know, that's how you know you can visibly see the wind, and that's how you know that something is taking shape. We can't always articulate how fast the wind is blowing. We can't say it's going 90 miles per hour, but you know something is happening because that limb on that tree is moving, and it's going up and down. And sometimes you wonder, how close to that tree can I get? 
because you don't want that limb to break on you. Think about Fairmount Park for those of you in the city and you're driving through a lot of trees, a lot of greenery. And I want to, I just want you to get that image in your mind of what those trees are dealing with when those gusts of winds are coming through. And sometimes we are like that as women, as wives, as mothers, as employees, as ministers, as leaders, as employees, in every role that we carry, we get to moments where we're that wavering tree limb. But I just want to say the two are strong, just like the stump of that tree, and you can make it. And so as we go forth tonight, I just want you to think about your own self. Think about the women that are connected to you. Think about the women that you see on a daily basis, and that's the other reason this is important. A lot of times we look at strong women and we say, oh, she's so strong. Oh, she can handle anything. Oh, she has so much grace. But that woman could be bending and breaking on the inside. And so I want to encourage you to just remember that no matter how strong that tree trunk looks, that there may be some wavering parts about it. There may be, may be some wavering parts. There may be some winds blowing against that tree. And so check in on your sisters. Check in on your daughters. Check in on your best friends. Check in on your coworkers. Make sure that these women have the tools that they need. If this is not you, make sure that the women in your circle have what they need to bend but not break. My God, heaven and gracious Father. I thank you for this video, God. I pray that as you allow me to deliver this word, that you just decrease me in flesh, oh God, and that you increase me in spirit. I pray that you have your divine way on this evening, that you let this word fall fresh on good ground. In the mighty name of Jesus, have your way on tonight, oh God. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I bless you. And I earn you. My God, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I was thinking about what I was dealing with, if I had to tell you somebody in the Bible that I felt like in this most recent season of my life, I felt like Job. Many of you know the story of Job. And if not, I encourage you to go and read the book of Job. Not just the, the beginning of Job, not just the end of Job, but read the entire book of Job. What we know about Job, because it is 42 verses, or 42 chapters, rather, we're not going to go through it tonight. But what I want to do is lay the framework of what we're talking about tonight. When I'm talking about there are women who are bending but not breaking, there are women who you know, who you see in the mirror, who you sit next to on a bus, who you sit next to at work, who you sit next to at church, and you don't have any idea what they're feeling like on the inside. They could be Joe's. And the first chapter of Job, what we see is that Job was what was deemed to be, or who was deemed to be the greatest man of all the people of the East. That is specifically what Scripture says, that Job was the greatest man of all the people of the East. And yet, in the blink of an eye, Job lost seven sons and three daughters. He lost 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels. He lost five yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys. He lost servants. This wasn't just some random person who wasn't serving God, who didn't know their place, who wasn't a leader in their community, who wasn't an amazing businesswoman. This was somebody who was great. 
among all the people in his circle. The scripture even tells us that Job was the type of person who customarily burnt sacrifices on behalf of his children. He was an intercessor, y'all. This man was amazing, and he loved God with his whole heart. So we're not talking about someone who was wayward. We're not talking about someone who was double-minded inside the church one day and outside another day. We're not talking about somebody who wasn't faithful. We're talking about somebody who was well-respected, who who knew their word inside out, who had a great respect for the Father and whom the Father had great respect for. In spite of the greatness of this man, he lost everything except his wife and his body. And he had a few friends, for those of you who have read the, the chapter. He lost everything. Let me put in that for a second. Can you imagine, for the mothers on the call, can you imagine what it felt like to lose his children. Can you imagine for those who have not yet had to uh, deal with the loss of a child that they birthed? And I don't mean to say yet like it's going to come to pass, but I know that it's happened to some of us. If that has not been you, just imagine for a moment the immense pain that you would endure if you lost your son and or your daughter, let alone all of them. You were a business person, and the things that you used to handle your business, your sheep, your camels, your oxen, your donkeys, the things that sustain you financially, what if your business crumbled? What if you were subject to identity theft and all of your funds and all of your accounts, your savings were completely wiped out? You underwent a house fire at the same time. Your car was repossessed. Everything in the world that you could think about went under all at the same time. That is what Job experienced. He lost absolutely everything. And what we see is that for 40 chapters, you see Job battling back and forth with, his, with a few of his friends, with three of his friends, and trying to justify, trying to figure out what happened, and trying to explain to people that he hasn't done anything wrong. He lost everything, and he did absolutely nothing wrong. What I want to remind you of is that even in the midst of loss, verse 20 of the first chapter of Job tells us that Job fell to the ground and worshiped. In the midst of losing everything, in the midst of being that tree that is wavering, the gust of wind is coming against it so strong, and that limb just wants to break. He fell to the ground and worshiped. What I kept saying to God over these last couple of weeks is, how is it that you want me to worship? How do I worship in the midst of complete chaos? When I think that my world is crumbling, that my world is crumbling, that I don't have anything else to move forward for, that I'm not sure if this yes is worth it, that I'm not sure that I'm worth the call, that I'm not sure that I can handle the weight. Joe did. Joe fell to the ground and worshiped. God says there are some things that you need to be reminded of. And he specifically sent me to remind you on this Monday night of these very specific things. And so maybe, again, you're not in a Job situation. Maybe you don't know anybody in a Job situation. But there are still some promises that we can all lean on so that if and when that time comes, you know how to worship in the midst of chaos. 
You know how to make sure that you bend without breaking. And so the first thing that God sent me to tell you is that you are like him. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, the scripture tells us, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps under the earth. So God then created man in his image and the image of God, he created him, male and female created he them and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the fowl in the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Why did I read all of those verses? Because God says that after I made heaven and earth, after I made dark and lightness, after I separated the waters from the firmament, and after I created grass and seed and fruit, after I put the stars, the moon, the stars in the sky, after I created sea creatures and file and land animals, I created you, daughter. He said, I created you. And I didn't just make you, but I made you in my image, says the Lord, that you are so much like the Father that you can withstand anything. You are a visual representation of who the Father is. Think about all the things that Jesus endured. Jesus endured ridicule. Jesus endured the beating. Jesus endured backbiting. If Jesus can endure, could have endured all those things and still rise above it all, why can't you? Because you, daughter, are created in his own image. And so the first thing that God wanted to remind you of on tonight is that no matter what comes your way, you are so beautiful, you are so powerful, you are so mighty, because at the end of it all, you are just like him. You were created in his own image after his own likeness did he pour his breath into you. And because he did that, you can go forth and conquer any gust of wind that comes your way. The second thing he sent me to tell you is that you will inherit. After the wind blows, after the change breaks, after everything comes tumbling down, you will still inherit. In Colossians 1 and verse 12, the scripture tells us that in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people and in the kingdom of light. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of light. God says, I created you, but then I qualified you that you would share in my inheritance. When you think about what an inheritance looks like, an inheritance is something that you receive or acquire from a past generation. That is, by definition, what the word inheritance means, that you acquire or receive possessions from past generations. And so when you understand that you have already been created in the likeness of the Father, that you are set for an inheritance, that means that you inherit anything that the Father had. Everything in his bloodline belongs to you. So as a part of the salvation, as a part of the inheritance, rather, you get salvation, you get strength, 
you get hope, you get peace, you get comfort, you get it all. And so in the moments that are so dark, in the moments of despondency, the Father says, you inherit everything that I have, which means you also inherit the light. And so I just came to encourage you that even in the dark moments, there's an inheritance waiting for you on the other side, my God. And so that means that when you withstand, when you understand that you can bend and not break, you can still worship with the understanding that there's an inheritance waiting for you. But you just have to crawl out of a thing. You have to get yourself out of a thing. And so you get out of a thing by worshiping your way out, knowing that there's something great and mighty and magnificent waiting on the other end of that trial. He has done these things for you because he says, daughter, you are top notch. That's the third thing he sent me to tell you. In Deuteronomy verse or chapter 28, verse 13, it reads, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be only above, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and do to them. What he is saying in that very first portion of the scripture is that he shall make thee the head and not the tail. No matter what it is that comes your way, God is saying that you are top-notch, daughter. He says you are the head of the class. Somebody may have made you feel significant. Somebody may have made you feel less than. But at the end of the day, I want you to know that you are ahead of the school. You're ahead of the department. You're the top in your niche. You're the top in your ministry. You're the top in the skill sets that he's given you to move forward in all that he's commanded you because he created you, as we talked about in Genesis. We already know that he created you in his likeness, but what I read to you in Genesis also says that you were created with authority. You were created to rule. You were created with dominion. And so even if in a moment you feel like you're beneath, you feel like you can't make it, you feel like you can't get up, he already told you, daughter, I shall make thee the head. And so there's nothing except up to go from where you are. And so I just came to encourage you to just worship and knowing that God created you to be the head and not the tail. He created you to have dominion. He created you to be high quality. And even in high quality situations, there has to be a purification. When you think about what happens with a diamond, a diamond is high quality, right? A diamond is top-notch, but it goes through a process to get there. And so in the same way that Job endured a process, follow me, the same way that Job endured a process, there's going to be some processes that we have to walk through. But we can walk through them with the authority knowing that we are the head and not the tail. Just a few more things. He sent me to tell you that you are loved. Sometimes when we're going through situations, we just feel like nobody sees us. When we're sitting in church and the tears are streaming down our face and nobody is calling that into their attention. When we don't get the phone call after the funeral, the funeral comes, we buried our loved ones, and then nobody checks on on us. And we think, I've been forgotten about. Nobody cares about me anymore. He says that's not true. He says, in Romans 8 and 38 to 39, he says, For I am convinced 
that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you, daughter, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is absolutely nothing that separates God's love from you. And so even when you feel alone, even when you feel lonely, even when you feel unheard, even when you feel unseen, even when you seem like it's unlikely to get that new gig, when you feel it's unlikely to continue to be heard in this marriage, even when you feel like the kids aren't listening, God says, I hear you, I see you, I love you, I'm with you. And he says that I need you to understand that my love for you is such a deep affection that nothing can pull me away from who you are. Some of us have made some decisions in our lives. We've had some things come up in our lives where we went left when we should have gone right. We knew that God was saying go right, and we said, no, not right now. I just want to try this thing out. We understand that there's a perfect will and a permissive will, and we said, well, you know what, God, I'm going to go ahead and go with this permissive will today. God says even in those moments when you strayed, even in those moments when you walked away, he said, I still love you. And so some of us are having these dull moments because of some decisions that we made, which is not the Job situation, and I don't mean to suggest that at all, but I just want to say that sometimes we feel like we've lost everything based on some decisions. God says, my love is so deep for you that even that decision didn't turn me away from you. And so even when you feel like God isn't there, when you feel like he's not listening, when you feel like he's not watching, he says, nothing has separated me from your love. Not only do I love you, but the last thing he sent me to tell you is that you are never alone. In many, many places in Scripture, it tells us that I will never leave you nor forsake you. But my favorite, my all-time favorite Scripture is Genesis 28 and 15. It says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I'm going to read that again. Genesis chapter 28, verse 15 says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. My God, the promise will be fulfilled. There are so many times that we go through situations and we say it hasn't happened yet. It's that we say, well, if I haven't gotten into this relationship by 45, it's not going to happen. If I haven't had a child by the time I'm 38, it's not going to happen. If I haven't gotten broken into this career or been able to start this ministry or haven't been able to write this book or I haven't been able to move up into a leadership position, I don't have a new title yet, then it's not going to happen. Daughter, Jesus says that he is with you and that he's not going to leave you until he's done what he's promised. The promises of God are yes and amen, which means they have to be fulfilled. So even when we feel desperately, even when we feel like we don't have anything left, when we are at the end of the rope and we don't know how else we're going to make it, when we feel like we've lost everything, we've lost time, we've lost patience, we've lost compassion, we've lost people, 
God says, I'm still with you in the midst of all of that. He says, I am still going to fulfill my promises. If you think about all of the people who have had promises, if nobody else, think with me for a, a moment about Sarah. She didn't think she was going to birth a child, but she did in the ripe old age of 90. God's promises are yes and amen. They will come to pass. So I want you to be reminded that I gave you five things, that you are like him, that you will inherit, that you are top-notch, that you are loved, and that you are never alone. And I'm sharing all this in the context of Job because Job had a lot of what was me moments. What is happening? I've done everything right. I've done everything I've been asked to do. I've been an amazing wife. I've never stepped out of my husband. I've prepared dinner every night. I've been a good mother. I've raised my kids to be respectful, but yet they're still out in the street doing their own thing. I've served in the church. I've been an adjutant. I've been an intercessor. I've been all of these great things. I've been a business person. I've never stolen a thing. I've never been in trouble. What is happening? Why is my world crumbling? In the same way that Job allowed or that God allowed Job to be tested, there may be a reason for you being in this moment of bending. But I want to let you know that when I say that God's promises will be fulfilled, they will absolutely be fulfilled. If you continue reading the various scriptures in the book of Job, you'll get to chapter 42, and somewhere around verse 10, it tells us, that after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him at his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more, my God, more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven additional sons and three more daughters. Somebody may have missed that. In the first chapter of Job, Job lost everything. There were 40 chapters of Job having conversations with his wife and with three of his friends going back and forth about what he was feeling in that moment, about how he was bending, about how he was determined not to break. He was still worshiping. He was still trying to figure out what to do next. After 40 chapters, we get to 42, and it says that the Lord restored his fortune and gave him twice as much as he had before. Forty chapters in the middle. And I thought, wow, there's nothing by happenstance in Scripture. When we think about those 40 chapters in the middle, there's something happening in the middle of your season. But think about the other things that happened in 40. How long was Moses in the wilderness? Wow. How many nights did Jesus wander in the wilderness? 
how many days and nights did the flood come around the time Noah built that ark? There's something about the number 40 and some things that in our years of life, especially those of us who have surpassed the age of 40, who are approaching the age of 40, somewhere in the middle of 40 years, I guarantee you, because the pattern of the word says that there's going to be some type of wilderness in the 40s. There's going to be something that we're losing. There's going to be something that we're feeling desolate about. There's some going to there's going to be some bending or breaking process. But the word of God says that he is with you, that you are loved, that you are top-notch, that you will inherit, and that you are like him. And because of all of this, he has the power to restore unto you every single thing that you lost during that period of being bent and yet not broken. And so I just came to encourage you to just continue to worship no matter what your situation is no matter what it looks like, no matter who you think hears you, sees you, walks with you, doesn't, no matter whether you're questioning what you did to deserve it, you may not have done anything. God may just understand that you are strong enough to deal. God may understand that he just needs to bend you a little bit so that you are more firm, that you are more stronger, that you are ready to go into the next level of elevation that he has for you. At the end of it all, we started out with scripture from Romans chapter 8, and I want to bring this full circle for you. The scripture that you heard earlier was, but if we hope for what we do not yet have and wait for it, how patiently, but if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. There are going to be weak moments. But in those weak moments, the Spirit is helping us. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We may not understand what is happening around us, and so we worship with God's promises. We worship knowing that we are loved. We worship knowing that we're going to inherit. We worship knowing that we're top-notch. We worship knowing that we're loved. We worship knowing that we're not alone. After we worship, even when we do not know what we ought to pray for, the scripture says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Because remember, God is not, is not going to leave us. Even in those moments, he's with us and he's interceding on our behalf. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit. God knows everything about us. He knows our hearts because he created us in his perfect image. He knows everything that we think. He understands the spirit that we carry. Because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God, not only is God interceding on our behalf, but he's interceding that God's will for our life be done that God carry us through that situation so that we can be restored and get the promise on the other end. And finally it says, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. No matter what it looks like, it works 
for our good. It worked for those Jesus. It worked for those good, even when he didn't feel it, even when he couldn't see it, even when he didn't understand it. It still worked all for his good because we know that Job loved the Father. We know that Job was called for a specific purpose. And at the end of it, God was able to use Job as an eternal example of what it looks like to walk upright and righteous at all times in every situation. And so I just came to encourage a sister on tonight that no matter what season you're in, no matter what season you may be about to walk in that you may not even understand, no matter what is going on with the people around you in your circle, there is a purpose for it all, but we can sustain it. We can walk through it. We can bend but not break. We can be planted like trees by the river, knowing that we are fully grounded and rooted in Christ our Father because he promised us some certain things, and those promises will come to pass. And so I just came to encourage you to hold on to God's promises and to worship him in your wilderness, no matter what it looks like, no matter how long it lasts, don't give up, don't throw in a towel, keep pushing, keep moving, keep enduring, because daughter, God's got you. You may be bending right now in this season, but I promise you, you will not break. With that, I'm going to go ahead and open up the line for any prayer requests. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of On The Beam. I hope that you have gotten some word or some nugget of empowerment or encouragement, motivation, and inspiration to just keep you balanced and focused while on the beam of life. Come back for the next episode and be sure to share this podcast with your friends, families, and loved ones. I love you. I'll be praying for you. And I am here standing in the gap with you. Have a great day. Peace.